0: Welcome to the Tune Under Podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's only dedicated Newcastle United podcast. I'm Jack with you today, and with me is Dimmy. Dimmy, how are you doing?
1: Very well, Jack. Very well. Still recovering from uh, this morning's late winner, but uh, going very well.
0: You've had two of your clubs have scored injury time heading headed winners this week, haven't you? This weekend,
1: two, yeah, two smashing headers. Couldn't make it up. Both two one wins, two one wins as well. So it's uh, fantastic. Besides the AFL, which we won't talk about. It's a yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Forty eight hours.
0: I was going to say you're on a little bit of a roll. I think last weekend all of all three of your clubs won, didn't three they? from three. Last
1: week was <laughs> three from three, was three, three, which was the dream weekend. This week was two from three, not two bad. And too uh, bad. We, we roll to the next week. You'll take it.
0: And we've also we've, got, we've also got to say Connie tonight to Jamie <laughs> who. In Hiroshima. Hi. Um, Jamie, you're clearly not Japanese, you're from the Northeast. Um, I, I am.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, yeah, I live in Hiroshima. I've been here about um eight years, but um everyone here supports Liverpool and Man United, so it's nice to talk to other Newcastle fans. So Thanks, yeah, what
0: took what took you to what took you to Hiroshima then and what's kind of what's it like trying to follow Newcastle? Because I think you're on pretty much the same time zone as
2: yeah there's, we're an hour behind. there's only an hour difference so I I came traveling about uh nine years ago and I, I ended up spending a month in Japan I've actually got a cousin who lived lived here and has been here for about 40 years so I came over to see him and I just thought it was a cool place and I found a job so I teach English here and um and yeah following following the the tune here obviously social media makes it a lot easier to kind of interact with other Newcastle fans but mm. same as you lads getting up at daft o'clock to watch the games I messaged you last night after the, the game yeah. like, but getting up at 3 45 a.m for Palace now seems like a sensible idea after Bruno's last minute winner But <laughs> but yeah it's um it's strange because a lot of my friends here they support Man United and Liverpool my English and Irish friends and and other and spurs and other big teams and i was always kind of like the 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 poor kid supporting a shit team but now they're all now they're all like a bit nervous so he was laughing
0: now yeah exactly
2: yeah and then yeah and yeah it's uh you know the the human rights thing comes into it and i just have to i just have to keep calm and we're,
0: g- we're gonna have to get used to that you know and that's we've said on this pod before that's part of that comes with the territory now so we'll get used to it and we'll get on with it and we'll yeah. hopefully start winning some stuff
2: yeah it's uh it, it is it's a difficult conversation to have but um but it's just it's just so good on the pitch at the moment now isn't it it's yeah it's the most we're gonna annoying. get
0: we're going to get into that. I just want to briefly say that I've been to Hiroshima and I was, when I was coming to Australia, I traveled in Japan a little bit because um, my wife's got family there. What a place like I can, I can understand why you have decided to stay there. It's absolutely brilliant place, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, um, it it's just everything, everything works
2: and everything's so clean. And, and, and when I, I love, I love going back home. Obviously I haven't been back home from, from the pandemic, but, um, but yeah, when I go back to England, I just I just get annoyed, <laughs> like the, the little things that you know it's not working and things. But but yeah, it is. It's an exciting place to live. And so my wife um, is is Russian, so we're two foreigners mm-hmm. in Japan. So it's uh, yeah, every day is, there's something that catches me out or you know is is a shock to me every day here. It's.
0: And yeah. Hiroshima is a little bit like Newcastle. It's got lots of bridges, hasn't it? I, I vividly remember that about Hiroshima.
2: It has got loads of rivers and loads of bridges. It actually means uh, wide islands in, in Japanese. So. Oh, yeah. Um, there is a lot of similarities to Newcastle, actually. They're, they're very, very um, passionate about their baseball team here, the Hiroshima Carp. Yeah. So it's um, th- there are a lot of similarities. And the accent as well here is is quite a unique accent for Japan as well. So it's, there you go, it's then. A lot of similarities with Newcastle. But yeah, you it's come good
0: to, play. You come to the Tune Under pod to listen to us review the football, and you get a, a lesson in Japanese. Absolutely, Japan absolutely fantastic, isn't it?
2: We're it is. Yeah, I, I, really,
0: <laughs> I just hope that
2: they'll come and do a pre season tour here sometime. But
0: yeah. But yeah. All right. We will be back after this, and we're going to get straight into the fantastic Leicester game. Right, so before Eddie Howe arrived at Newcastle in October 2021, we'd never beaten Brighton in the Premier League. We hadn't gone nine games unbeaten in the Premier League since 2011. We'd never kept a clean sheet against the Wolves in the Premier League. We hadn't beaten Leicester at St James's Park since 2014. All of those stats I've just read out have been corrected in the last two months. And we're here to talk about the, that last stat I read out, so... The 2-1 victory that Newcastle had over Leicester, which was 11.15 p.m. kickoff time here in Australia. 10.15 for you in uh, in Japan, Jamie. Yeah. It, on the face of it, this sounded like quite a good kickoff time because it was Easter Sunday. So it was like 11.15, might be able to just get a little bit of sleep, might just stay up and then won't get to bed too late. But then, in the event that didn't quite happen because of what happened in the the 95th minute, which we're going to really get stuck into. But really, I just want to get your reaction first to to the win. Then, Dimmy, <clears throat> massive massive win. We're up to we're up to 37 points now. Obviously, the the manner of a win like that is going to get everybody more excited, and we've had our fair share of late goals conceded this season, so. What was your what was your overall reaction to the win, and how hard was it to try and get to sleep after the full time whistle?
1: Well, firstly, on the second point, couldn't get to sleep. Um, like like yourself, I was searching for any sort of post game reaction, talk back, interview, anything to watch what just happened. I found a Bruno interview just after the game, which was sensational. He was having to go in English when were the, the Sky commentator was speaking to him, but. In, ter- in terms of the result, I think it was quite a mature performance from us. I think if you know what what Leicester's good at, they're dynamic in attack, they're fantastic on, on on the break, and you can't give them can't give them space and can't give them the ball. And I think we're a little bit more circumspect as we were to a couple of a couple of games against Spurs where we just completely opened up and were picked off by Son and Kane. So I thought it was quite a mature display from us and. Despite all the ball that they had, I thought they probably didn't travel to Bravka all probably all all match really. So I thought very mature and yeah, for the context of the season, we're just we're just up and up. I'm I'm actually a bit disappointed because I did predict a few weeks ago we we're gonna get fourteen points before that um before yes, that this game. Then then Lee talked me down to twelve and all of a sudden <laughs> I think we're on we're on we're on seven or eight already. I'm thinking, geez, fourteen was maybe unders, but uh but no, it's uh it's happy days for us.
0: Yeah cuz you said that we're going to match last season's tally which would have been 14. It, yeah. We're going to get 14 points from when you said that. So yeah, um yeah. it did sound quite ambitious at the time but you know when you win in every game at home you know what can you say we're we're on we're on a roll.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right and there's still plenty of winnable games to come as well so I think uh we may just about get there or even even beat that points performance which would be absolutely staggering if we do.
0: Jamie, I don't know about you, but we've got this kind of thing now that we can't go to sleep until we've seen the team photo. We need to see that team photo, Serena's photo. So we'll kind of of keep waiting for it. And it didn't arrive last night until 2.22am Queensland time. So I was like, that's like an hour and a half after the game's finished or something. So we're we're kind of getting towards it. But yeah, how was your... um, how was your? We were messaging a little bit on Twitter, about how was your yeah. experience of trying to get to sleep after that? Uh, not, not
2: too good. Um, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've, I, my, my parents are visiting the moment, so me and my dad were watching the game together, which was nice. And um, it was just like it was winding down, and you were thinking it was going to be a draw, which still would have been a good point. I said before this run of three home games, I thought five points would have be just, you know, done us absolutely fine. Obviously, we started with a win against Wolves, and then. But yeah just the manner of the win it's I, I think it's the most like release of emotion I've I've had since mm. this whole since the takeover and everything but watching the game just the manner of the win against a good team as well um from a player who's just going to be absolutely massive for us so yeah I was yeah. I was going to go to bed and I, I watched the highlights about three or four times afterwards and I had another drink and I wasn't too clever at work this morning, but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you
0: did at least we had a public holiday, yeah. You didn't get that, do you? At least I don't what, sorry. We had a public holiday here, it was Easter Monday. Oh so yeah, yeah. None of us have been at work.
2: Yeah, I I had to um I had to go to work at, I had to get my daughter up and then go to work at like seven o'clock. So yeah, it was my alarm went off this morning and I was my instant reaction was not good, but then I remembered about the Bruno's header and everything was fine. So was yeah.
0: I remember earlier in the season, um, it was, I can't remember which game it was, but I had to go to work and I just watched us conceding a late goal. as like, we'd only won one game all season by that point. And I was like, what's going on here? This is just like, we need, we deserve, some, we just give us something. Give us something to to make these late nights or these early mornings worth it, you know? And we oh, absolutely, like, un- 100% got that last night. So yeah, that's what that's for it, every all cool, of actually. us who. That's for all of us who struggle through in the middle of the night um, at win. So that's very, yeah, it was very very exciting finish. And Twitter was getting refreshed a lot um, mm. for about two hours after the game. Yeah, and then the, and the, like I said, the photo did arrive at two twenty two. So I was able to try and go to sleep then. Yeah. I- I love how how is never
2: prominent in the photos. He's just kind of always just. You have
0: to get a magnifying glass out to find him, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I think
2: it says a lot about him. To be honest, it's um yeah, but uh, yeah, but going back to the time difference, as I said to you, it just makes getting up. At, I've I've got to. I'll be getting up at three thirty for the for the palace game. And I watch it and go to work, and Bruno's head is make, makes that seem like a sensible use of my time. So
0: <laughs> it is a sensible use of your time. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get no arguments from that here.
2: Yeah.
0: So I just want to have a little talk about what uh, Eddie Howe has actually managed to do since he has come into the club. Um, he had a bit of a difficult start. We had some quite hard fixtures, and he was he was left with. A complete mess let's be you know let's be honest about it I think we had five points just from draws at that point but the league table since he took over we're actually eighth on that league table in the, since he took over so we've had nine wins he's had nine wins five draws seven defeats thirty two points but the league table in twenty twenty two is it's a remarkable thing to look at. We're third yes. we're third in the in the league table in twenty twenty two we've got eight wins two draws three defeats, 26 points. We've got two more points than Man City with two extra games played. Absolutely. And we've got one point less than Spurs, uh, but we've played two less games than them. It's um, it's actually unbelievable when you think about where we were at. Um, and I was actually listening back to one of the old pods we did after the Brentford win. And we we're all obviously really excited about that. And that felt like a like a momentous win because we went above them. But mm. at that point, we were still only four points above Burnley and they had a game in hand, you know? So even then, which felt like we were well on the way to safety then, we really weren't when you look back at it like that. And for us to keep this momentum going, it's absolutely fantastic. And I can talk about Eddie Howe all day, but Jamie, I'm going to let you have a little, um, a little go. What's your kind of assessment of the job Eddie Howe has done since he came in?
2: Ah, uh, it's... So, my own going back to when he got the job, my own feeling when he got the job was I always really rated him at Bournemouth. And I remember they beat Bournemouth, beat us just before McLaren got sacked. Mm. And I said, I think we should get Eddie Howe because he's just a great young coach. Obviously, we ended up getting Rafa. I also wanted Eddie Howe when Rafa left. But I have to be honest, I was not, I was a bit concerned about him coming in um, basically because of, I thought we needed someone who would tighten us up at the back and make us Mm. more difficult to play against. Um, I mean, I saw a stat that even his highest finish at Bournemouth, I think when they finished ninth, they still had the third worst defensive record. So I as much as I do rate him, I was concerned about his appointment. And there's a lot of the wins we've got yesterday and also the Wolves game and and so many where they're not particularly good games to watch, but the way he has made us so horrible to play against, we have gone from being the easiest team in the Premier League to play against under Steve Bruce. We were the easiest team to play against. And now we don't concede many chances we we press, we 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 close down, and the fitness levels of the players is obviously um is obviously just chalk and cheese from what it was under Bruce. Mm. But I don't think we all love him and we know the job he's done has just been monumental. I don't think how we'll ever get the credit he deserves outside of Newcastle fans, mm. like in mm. the media. For three reasons. I think number one, people hate us because of the nature of the takeover. If it was Everton, I understand mm-hmm. it. If it was Everton or Leeds or Villa who the Saudis had bought, I would probably feel the same. Um second one is people will just point to the money that he spent in January. Mm-hmm. money is not spending money is not guarantee a success. Look at like Everton and Man United for a start. And, all, and also he
0: chose how to spend that money. So they were actually he was de facto the f- director of football. So he he picked Kieran Trippier, he picked Matt Target, Dan Byrne, Chris yeah. Wood and Bruno, you know? So his, that's, yeah, that's right, his, what you've said there. The money is important. Yeah. Incredible.
2: I had one of my friends here say to me when we appointed him, oh, it's a terrible appointment. He's, he's dreadful in the transfer window. He wastes money. That was obviously because his last season at Bournemouth, things got away from him. But I'm sorry, you don't take a team from 10 points adrift at the bottom of League Two. To ninth in the Premier League in six or seven years, if you're bad at recruiting players, it's Mm. just impossible. But he is the foundations; all the fundamentals are are there for us to like add some good players to the team. And what I love is he had a sabbatical from the game after Bournemouth. He's clearly gone away and just upskilled so much. Mm. Um, We're we're very different from what Bournemouth were. we are his his in-game management is what impresses me the most i think is that that's what is absolute night and day compared to what we were used to before mm. uh, um but yeah i i mean he signed a two and a half year contract i i personally think that at the end of the season i think they need to give him a new contract
0: mm. for a,
2: a longer five year contract and because i think like a lot of people i thought when we got how it was like, you know, little Stop by that. little and there, yeah. there would be a manager maybe after how if the the plans to get in the Champions League and challenge for things. But I'm really starting to think that he's still young. He's you know, he he just he just seems to he seems to be learning all the time. And I mm-hmm. absolutely love him. I I would have done anything to avoid listening to Steve Bruce's press conferences and aftermath interviews. And I, I now I actively make time to watch the full press
0: conferences. Yeah. I, I, I twenty-five love minutes. They're great, aren't they? The, yeah, the yeah, nice yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I was watching his uh, press conference before the Leicester game with my, my 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 wife and my my dad and me. And my dad were just like leaning forward into the TV, yeah. like, <laughs> confused at the whole thing. But yeah. Yeah, he's he's it's it's unbelievable. It no one, even the most optimistic Newcastle fan or even Eddie Howe's biggest fan, could have imagined that it was going to turn out like this.
0: Yeah. It's and we, we spoke to Serena Taylor, the club photographer, mm-hmm. and just some of the things she told us about the culture he's setting, mm-hmm. the little things he's doing to include the whole staff, you know, it sounds like quite kind of basic. Stuff, but it's all about setting a culture and setting a team culture for geared towards success. timmy your thoughts on sort of yeah the last few games and you, just Eddie Howe in general? Like you've spoken about them before, but did you did you see this this coming at all?
1: Absolutely not, to be honest. Um I, I was confident that we could get out of trouble, but not not in the way we've done it at the moment. I mean, to go, I think we went was it seven or eight nine games unbeaten. We went. From January onwards, to win yeah,
0: nine games, yeah. Four,
1: yeah, nine games to win four out of five. I think we did to win now five home games in a row where we hadn't won two home games in a row for a long time, let alone five <laughs> home games in a row. Um, but but the thing that's really impressed me with how is he's taken so-called garbage footballers and players we'd think who are absolutely well below the Premier League level to now being competent and at some cases big joe cases quality mm. premier league starters i mean joe linton's a different player even even our mate emil craft at right back we were making fun of him on this podcast uh i wasn't times, making fun of him but other people were well, all right, you weren't you weren't you were defending him but <laughs> me and a few it's, others were and um he's yeah crafts has improved uh share has improved it's it, you, you can keep going down the list of, of the squad. Everybody, really, who's, who's got a consistent goal in the team has improved. So that's, that's down to coaching, that's down to management, and that's, that's down to Eddie. Yeah,
0: he's a, he's a coach, isn't he? That's what he is. And he said one of the most impressive things he said when he first came in was they were asking him about January transfer under, obviously, and he just said, I'm not interested in that at the moment because it's October. I've got a squad here that I'm going to work with. And he started name checking people straight away. Uh, he name checked Jolit and Shelby immediately, yeah. and said so these are good. These are good players for me to work with, and their their performance has improved, you know, immediately. Um. So just having there's a not coach one you... player
2: who he hasn't. There's not one player uh, who has not improved or has gone backwards under him. Everybody's just, yeah, it's, it's incredible, and. When before the takeover went through, if you'd have said to somebody just before the takeover went through, we're going to get taken over, and like if you'd have said to me, if you'd have said to me to name the first players that you would have sold, it would have been Kraft and Joe Linton, and now yeah. I, I wouldn't, I'd keep them both. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's, he's it's, done it's a,
0: absolutely brilliant. He's done an absolutely remarkable job. He's a, he's, he's a brilliant character for, for the Newcastle job because he doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low he yeah. manages he manages to keep this equilibrium which is just what the club needs because as everybody knows it's a very um up and down club where things can yeah go get you know they can get really excited straight away or things can get very low and that still does happen you know even after we got beaten by by Everton and Spurs there was a lot there was kind of a lot of criticism coming but he just knows what he's doing he trusts his process his staff know what they're doing and the result is the, this league table mm-hmm. which I've just flashed up so we're now in 14th after that win we're on 37 points which I think would have been enough points to keep teams safe for pretty much every season the Premier League's ever had other than that year when West Ham went down on 42 points Yeah, but Burnley are there on 25 points now in 18th ugh they they've got a game in hand, but the twelve points behind is, Demi, You've been saying for weeks we need to stop looking looking down and start looking up. Even at half time in this game, Burnley were winning and we were drawing, so the gap was down at eight points. Then yeah, I was... it's just yeah, it's just ingrained into us as Newcastle fans to keep keep doing that and keep looking behind. I think. Um, honestly,
2: right? Yeah, if we if we beat obviously if we beat Palace and Southampton lose their next game, we can go above Southampton. But I can tell you now, if Southampton were playing Burnley tonight, I'd want Southampton to win. It's just ingrained into me.
0: It's yeah, that's that's what that's what it's like at the moment. But if you, I mean, if you look at this, like. You know, nobody's thinking that Palace might get relegated. Or I, I can't believe we've gone above Villa. That's brilliant. Nobody's thinking that Villa are going to get relegated. You know, even Leeds. Um, I think that last spot does look like it's between Burnley and Everton. I think Watford and Norwich are pretty much gone now. Um, Dimmy, what's your kind of hopes for the next six games, other than winning every single one of them? <laughs> what's your what well, What's your realistic hopes, and where do you think? How high do you think we can actually get here?
1: Um, realistically, if we can match, which I said a few weeks ago, if we can match our points total from last season, that would be sensational, obviously for me, but also for the club to, to reach the same level from how poor we were for the first, first four or five months of the season. But if you look at the teams above us, I mean, we played Palace coming up, but besides that, um, the, rest of the, the rest of the games, Norwich we're playing in, I think on the weekend coming up as well so there's two games coming up that potentially could be not to, not to jinx, jinxes could be four to six points there and all of a sudden we're, we're pushing towards a top ten I mean, if we finish in top ten, Eddie Howe I said last week that he, might, he won't get he won't get manager of the season consideration but if we end up finishing in the top ten, he has to be in the top two or three in terms yeah. of manager of the year
0: it's gonna be it's gonna be Klopp or Guardiola, isn't it? The way that whichever team wins, you know yeah. the, the trophies that they're in. But for somebody to come in, we should just point out as well that no team has ever lot um, not won the first fourteen games and survived. And we've just looked like we're going to do that with absolute comfort at the end of the day. Yeah, that's the- so yeah, Jamie, what's your what are you hoping for? So, for the next uh, what's, um, what? How, I think, how high do you think we can get?
2: I don't, I think. I mean. I don't think we'll beat Man City or Liverpool, but I have absolute confidence that we'll give them a game, Um, and that's the difference with how even after even after the Spurs result, it was three defeats in a row. Spurs was terrible, but I just had full faith that they would, you know, they'd be putting things right on, you know, in training, which I did not have at all under Bruce. Um, I think. Palace and Norwich winnable games. I think Arsenal at Arsenal at St James's. We can beat Arsenal if they mm-hmm. if they're not at the races with how good we we are off the ball. I totally think we can we can beat Arsenal. I'm just so, like you just said, being the safe with something to spare. I was always, I've always looked at the last few fixtures and that run of Liverpool, City, Arsenal, mm-hmm. and then Burnley away on the last day. That's like we could easily have lost three games in a row against the good teams, and then if it's the gaps probably cut, mm. then you go into Burnley. But yeah, so I still think I know this is mental, but I still think I, w- I want another win just to completely relax. <laughs> the but, magic um, forty points. The ma- yeah, the magical forty points. But um, I think I think we'll finish twelfth.
0: Oh yeah. That's what I specific think. Which,
2: is, which I mean, I did, I would have snapped your hand off for seventeenth when Howe was appointed. It's quite,
0: so. it's quite, it's quite exciting as well. that we could actually have a say in the title race as well. Liverpool will not be looking forward to coming to St James's Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jurgen yeah. Klopp's already crying about it about the, oh, game of the time. Jesus. So Jesus. that's that's not going to be a game that they're looking forward to. Um, and like you know. We're going to get into the Leicester game more and talk about some of the other games where we just haven't conceded shots, never mind conceded many goals. You know, there's Chelsea, uh, there's Chelsea, and there's Brighton as well who barely troubled the goalkeeper. So, and um, these are these are all good teams. So Liverpool are not going to find that match at St James's Park easy, especially with the crowd the way it is at the moment. So, I think. I think we can push. We can push. Start pushing towards the top half. It would just would be nice to finish above teams like Villa, um, who yeah, have had, you know, at different times have been said to have had a great season, and who replaced their manager with Gerard about the, the similar time that Howe came in for us. So that would be a good uh, something for us to aim for as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to have another very quick break, and we're going to get into the Leicester game in a little bit more detail. We will be back after this. So I'm just going to get some of the stats up from the Leicester game. So this this has become a little bit of a pattern where we have ceded a lot of possession in games yeah. uh, teams like Brighton and Leicester have had a lot of possession, but we've we've outshot them, we've outshot them in attempts and on target, and we've had a higher x xG as well. The xG in this game was actually two point four for us, two point oh four versus zero point seven one, which, when you consider that you know we only had the ball thirty one percent of possession, we're doing something right defensively. You know, uh, we're, we're working really well, Jamie. These stats do they kind of reflect your your view of the game? So we had we had 31% possession, 16 shots to eight, seven shots on target to two, three corners to five, and there were ten fouls each. Do these stats reflect your um view of the game? Not really, because I think I,
2: I actually thought the second half of this game was really similar to when we beat Brighton at St James's Park. And I think possess you know, just because you've got possession doesn't mean that you are in, you're in control of the game. I think Leicester always dominate the ball against against teams. They're a really good side. Um, I know they haven't had the best season, but they're a really good side. And Brendan Rodgers is a really good coach. Um, there was one stat that uh, came. I don't know who was commentating on the game for you guys. I think I had um, one thing that's great. Just side point about yeah. when. Muto leaving Newcastle is now all our games have got English commentary because they can't be bothered with us anymore. So um, <laughs> I think I had, um, I think it might have been David Prutton who was on mine. And after 10 minutes, it came up and it said, I was thinking we'd started really well and we were on the front foot and we were in their faces mm-hmm. and pressing well. And then the stat came up and said that they'd had 70% of the ball. Yeah. And even the commentator said, I'm, I'm really surprised by that. It seems that Newcastle have been, been on
0: top. Yeah, it didn't um, feel like it didn't feel like that at that point. I remember, yeah,
2: yeah. So I think, look, as good as how a job how is done, and as much as I have a lot of um, affection for this group of players, they they are still a few of them are. You know, the, we will sign better players. We we still are short of, still behind a lot of teams in terms of quality off the ball. We just seem to be doing everything off the ball well, but it's the it's. The amount of the, the the very few chances we concede that seems to be when mm. teams are on top. I, I I always back us to stay in games, which is the biggest thing. Mm. And and sorry to keep going back to before how, but it always seemed that once a team start, once we started, and if the other team was on top, it never there was never any chance of it changing mm. in the game. Yeah, I always yeah. feel that if it's, even if we're getting. Like battered in terms of possession, and teams keep coming. I always know that we will, at some point, you know, turn it over and mm. and get and get higher up the pitch, which I think goes down to how's in-game management. Yeah, and we've all, yeah,
0: we've, it- all, we've always got the break as well. You know, we've got quick players to go on the break. So most of these shots and that we had were a result of counterattacks um, from Maxi getting forward. Or from Miggy sort of running forward quickly. Dimmy, your kind of take on these stats. What did did it look like a 69% to 31% possession game to you? Do we do should we even care about possession and focus on it so much? What do you think?
1: I think for this iteration of how we of how we play into in the squad we have, I think possession doesn't matter. I think ideally going forward, hopefully we're progressing in the next few years, we can bridge that gap a little bit better and start playing a lot better with the ball. That, that will help players like Bruno do a bit more and, and show, show out a bit more. But, but I think with the game, like Jamie said, it was a lot similar to Brighton. We were sitting a little bit deeper. They were sort of passing it well and truly outside of our 18-yard box. Didn't really get in the box to penetrate much. So we, we looked quite comfortable. And there was always that chance that one John Joe Shelby long ball or Maxi would do something and we're away two on two, three on three. We just, we just lacked probably that one other quick play with Maxi to keep up. There was a couple of times where he would burst into the box and there was five defenders <laughs> and there was no attackers. And Chris would just busted his gut to get there, but he just couldn't get there. So yeah. that's something to work on. But I think possession-wise, yeah, we let them have the ball. We, we sat deep. We didn't give them the space. I and mean, I think the, the plan worked to perfection.
0: Yeah, so before the goal that they scored, uh, they, they had had more possession, but they hadn't necessarily created any chances. I think they'd had one shot and goal by that point. Their goal, um, corner, and it was, a, to be fair, it was a very well worked training ground corner goal. I don't know if we'd maybe switched off a little bit, but it was clever. It was a clever ball into Perez, who did a good flick, and then Lookman had his shot. What do you think? Um, Jamie, do you think that Dubravka could have potentially done a bit better with this? Or do you think the range of it made it difficult and the amount of bodies in front of him?
2: I think it, I he got quite a lot of stick on Twitter, which I was thought was I was a bit sad to see. Um yeah, when it's when it's coming through that amount of bodies from such close range, it is difficult. Um and it was right, it was it was right so close to his feet that yeah. it's like the most difficult position for them to adjust, isn't it? I think Mm, maybe he could but he's he's got enough goodwill in the bank with me yeah. but anyway Martin Dubravka to just it's easy to say that we ended up winning the game but um it was a really well I mean you could tell from the reaction on the Leicester bench that that was they were really happy with how that had come off it, yeah. I don't know about the, you the camera was on the assistant coach it was like I don't yeah. know you guys watch Ted Lasso where like Nate came up with the false nine play and he was getting all the plaudits. It was it reminded me of that that like the assistant coach was just like <laughs> had his five minutes of fame. But um yeah, Dubravka probably could have done a bit better, but it was difficult. But he's he's been he's been brilliant recently. So
0: yeah. Dimmy, I know I know what you think about this because I saw your tweet about it. You don't think that it was a Debravka era, do you?
1: Nah, look. I'm I'm probably a little bit biased in Jamie's vision as well. I do I do love De I have been a goalkeeper in the past, futsal wise, not a great one, but have been goalkeeper <laughs> futsal wise. And when the shot gets cracked at you from that close, from with bodies in front of you, it's yeah. virtually impossible to adjust your body. You've just got to have a bit of luck. It's going to hit your foot and it goes it goes wide. Yeah. You, you can't you can't do anything about that. So. I definitely give him a pass. I think that the issue was no one tracked the run, and he came from the edge of the box and sort of strolled onto the ball. So now yeah. it's both good. I don't think he couldn't do done much more than that.
0: You've got you've got to be switched on as a team, don't you, to these kind of situations? And when you're playing against when you're playing against clever opposition who who not only have the ideas but also have the execution. And Perez, we know Perez well. He he played a big part in that goal with the, the clever little flick. But it can be hard. Like Sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, look, that was a really well-worked well worked goal. Uh, there, there are things, you know, Eddie has a perfectionist. There'll be things he can think of that we could have done a bit better mm. with the goal. But I think, um, yeah, Dubravka, I think the thing is, like you said, if he'd have stood there and just put his foot out, he could have controlled it and picked it up, you know? But that just doesn't happen, does it, with goalkeepers? They're, they're accustomed and they're trained to go with the hands, so... When it is that low, it's and close to the body, and there's that many but bo- you know bodies in front, it can be difficult. So it's definitely not a big goalkeeping error. But I th- I still think he himself will probably be a little bit disappointed that it went through him, um, with with it being so close to him. But for me, I think the pleasing thing again was the our reaction. So yeah. it wasn't quite it wasn't quite as quick a response as the as the Everton game where we scored straight away. But you know, we we didn't we didn't concede any more chances in that time, and um, we didn't let our heads go down, which is something that we used to do all the time. And it that, was good that's that yeah, thing. it was good to see that we didn't do that with without Trippier on the pitch as well. Yeah, not not we, just the players, but
2: us, because like if you you know yeah, before it was when we conceded the first goal, that was it. Yeah, I think I saw a, a, a ridiculous stat about under Bruce we. In all of Bruce's games, we only took seven points from conceding the first goal. Yeah, um, it
0: was just game over, wasn't it? Pretty much, it was.
2: Yeah. yeah, it was just like, oh well, you know. It was always that feeling that there's no way they they aren't going to score another one, and it's going to be mm. really hard. But I just they scored, and I was like, oh, you know, it's all right. There's still time. <laughs> mm.
0: That's
2: that's the that's the best thing about it.
0: And then eleven minutes later. Um, well, probably 10 minutes later, but then there was a little bit of a VAR delay with this one. What did you make of this equaliser, Jimmy? Uh, this was a really strange kind of VAR. It, what did you... Yeah, you go first with this one. What did you think of
1: the, the goal in the VAR situation? Very strange, but in the end, very proud of my compatriot, Jared Gillett, who uh, had, the, had the cojones to go go to the monitor and say, yep, his hands were on the ball, that's a goal, Cause yeah, I don't know what they were looking at. They it, it seemed the first replay seemed to show that his hands were no near the ball, and then for some reason they were showing Dan Byrne flick header, whether it hit yeah. his arm or yeah, whether he yeah. fouled somebody. I'm not sure what they were. It just seemed like another VAR incident where they're going to go through every millisecond of action before we score <laughs> to see if there's it's something. like they were looking. The to like the Spurs one, like the Spurs one with yeah. shares free kick. They're going through offside. They're going through handball. Anything that could that Could prevent the goal, but fair play to gillet because once once you could see that his hands weren't on the ball, it's it's fair game and very clever by uh, our, our mate Bruno. Very clever to stick his toe in. It was
0: strange, wasn't it? Because Kasper Schmeichel kind of just he was quite casual, like "Oh, that's definitely going to be disallowed," but he must have known his hands were nowhere near it. I think goalkeepers are so used to being protected, and yeah, yeah. this this Correct. is a good this was a good example of where VAR. We would say this because it benefited us, but genuinely, you know, goalkeepers are so overprotected that any any attacker anywhere near them is the likely to give a foul usually. So f- to see that it was just basically a goalkeeping error and then Bruno was tenacious enough to get the get his foot on it twice and put it in, and I think it was quite clear that it, it was a perfectly fair goal, Jamie. Yeah, I was
2: to be honest, when it first um watching it in real time I didn't think it was going to be allowed and then they kept showing the replay and I was and then the commentator on, on my stream was saying there's nothing wrong with that. It's got to be given. It's got to be given. And then that got my hopes up and but yeah it was yeah it was brilliant when it was oh. what do what do you think of VAR just on the just as a side
0: topic? Oh uh, we've talked about this quite a few times. Yeah. It's um I think my I don't like VAR at all. I think it we should just go back to what it was with human error but i think um the problem isn't yeah we've said the problem isn't the technology it's the it's the people who are in charge of it it is because it works I mean, in competent. the
2: champions league and it works in the world yeah. cup yeah we're, yeah we're just going over old ground aren't we but yeah yeah it's um it it's, there's times i've loved it last night was one of them uh, the, my favorite var moment ever was Shelby's goal away at Sheffield united that was yes. absolutely brilliant
0: yeah. Yeah, where so, they were like they, they were said, well, that was that's obviously offside, and it just wasn't at all. And he just went yeah. and scored. And Chris Wilder was still complaining after that, wasn't he? Saying it wasn't a fair goal. Yeah, it was like it quite obviously was because he was very very far onside.
2: <laughs>
0: I, I honestly think that was my
2: favourite moment of the Bruce Yeah. Era. Yeah. Not me. Um,
0: yeah. So just just before we scored, right? So just before our goal the possession was still 67-33 to Leicester and we'd had three shots each on goal. But then eight minutes after our goal, so in that period, just after we scored, the possession had gone in the last... You know how they, the, they bring up the last five-minute possession thing? And it was 69-31 to to us. So that goal had really given us a real shot and would actually start getting the foot on the ball. And we ended the half with 10 shots to their four. So mm. we'd, we'd had... And um, including our goal, we'd ended up having you know six more shots in between our goal and the end of the half, unless we'd only had one more. You know, so that that gave us a real um a real shot in the arm, as as goals often do. But it does it just does show that we do have the capability at times to get our foot on the ball and pass it when the when the game allows it. At half time though, the stats were thirty seven percent to possession to us, to sixty three to them. And we had a really low sixty-three percent passing accuracy um to their yeah, seventy eight. So it's very low. And that's that again, that has been a feature of um of games lately where we haven't been able to, you know, pass it accurately, apart from Bruno, obviously, whose yeah. passing accuracy was eighty three percent. So, you know, the whole team's sixty three and Bruno's eighty three. So that shows I, you how head and shoulders he no, is. I think it's I, I,
2: I think Shelby's been brilliant in the last few months, but he is, he is a risk taker with the, with his passes, isn't he? Mm. Um, he, he does, fair play to him. He does try and get, move us forward, but yeah, sometimes he just needs to keep possession a bit more.
0: Yeah. That's like, there's a time and place for it, isn't there? And it's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing, but I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about this kind of conundrum we've got in the midfield at the moment, because our midfield, I've I've thought for a long time is our weakest position on the pitch. Me too. And then and then Joe Linton's turned into a midfielder, and we've signed Bruno. So all of a sudden, it's gone from being the weakest to probably being the strongest position on the pitch, where we wouldn't necessarily be looking to add somebody straight away. But it doesn't matter what combination of three we play in the middle; we still seem to concede a lot of, a lot of possession. Mm. So my question is really: what do we what do we want from the midfield going forward? And is this going to necessitate kind of a new system and move away from this 4-3-3? or are we going to need new players? Because, I mean, Bruno has got to be the the heart of the midfield, the heart of the team for years to come. But, Dimi, I'll come to you first on this one. What do you think around? What do you think is needed, and how do we solve this kind of issue we've got, where the strongest part of the team is also the one that's kind of conceding this possession? Or again, should we just stop caring so much about possession? Jimmy.
1: well the short answer I think is we need better players next to Bruno to be honest I think we need players which is not easy to do there's not 40 million to spend on every single player right. on the team but better players who can keep the ball who are dynamic on the ball and, and can move move forward I mean Shelby's done fantastically well with Howe but I'm a, a bit concerned about his long term future in terms of our, our best team and even big Joe. I, I don't want to upset Bobby but Big Joe, is, he's, he's, he's a Patrick Vieira-esque. He charges around the pitch, wins the ball, carries the ball, but he's still, for me, probably not the best technical on the ball in short spaces player like Bruno is. He probably can't play those one, two little intricate passes. So I think the short answer is we need to find probably better midfield players who are equally as good as Bruno on the ball, which, again, not easy to find, but yeah. that would be the start because I think 4-3-3, Suits suits with us playing with one striker and and a couple of fast wingers. I think we just need to find a couple of better possession keeping midfielders. Yeah,
0: and I was I was talking to a, another friend about this earlier as well, and he was saying it's the it's the whole team. You know, it's not just necessarily the three midfielders. You want your defenders and you want your fullbacks and your attackers to be able to keep possession as well, and that's all going to contribute to this. Um, this ability to keep a little bit more possession and start controlling Mm. the game a bit more. And obviously, I think having a creative attacking midfielder, somebody in the mould of a Christian Eriksen, is going to help that situation as well. Jamie, your thoughts on that uh, question?
2: Yeah, so personally, I think a big priority for us this this summer is I think we need to sign a a quality holding midfielder um, Mm -hmm. who can move the ball quicker. Because... and. I haven't met Bobby yet, but if it's, if it sounds like, is he a Joe Linton super fan?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he I, been look, Joe
2: has been brilliant and he does so much hard work off the ball and the transformation's been amazing. I still think he's quite slow at moving the ball. Mm. And regarding Bruno, when, when we signed him, I, I'd never really watched him play at Leon, I'll be honest. I'd heard of him, um, but I'd never really watched him. And, Everyone kept saying, oh, we're signing this like deep lying defensive midfielder, you know, who is so good at breaking up play and 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 moving the ball quickly and starting transitions. And I remember when the Signing was announced on it was like BBC or Sky Sports, and, and in in all the comments on the on the article in Twitter, obviously delighted Newcastle fans, really salty Arsenal fans. Arsenal.
0: yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> but there was a French uh, there was a French journalist um, who he, he he I found his comment really interesting. I went on his bio, and he was like a legit French journalist, and he said a lot of Newcastle fans seem to think that they're getting a defensive midfielder. And he said he's he's so much more than that. He, and he said his best position is as a number eight. Mm. And he would apparently said I didn't watch Leon, but he was playing like the left of a three. And mm. they had Kakaré or Kakare, or I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he was playing holding roll. And this French lad was saying he's 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 got so much more to his game now. If you think I think we need to find a good anchor man to sit alongside Bruno. And then mm. I think the other position can get taken up by Willock or Joe Joel. Linton. And maybe if we're feeling really romantic, maybe Elliot Anderson, because he's he's yeah. looking like one for the future. But um but regarding Bruno, every time I've watched him play for Brazil since we've had it, since we've signed him. He always seems to make an assist or or score a goal. (laughs) goal. And if you combine the total minutes that he's played for us, if you were to put Mm. all the minutes together, what it can't be more than what six, seven full games. Mm. And he's got three goals. Yeah. So, as a box to box midfielder, is this, am I looking through my black and white tinted glasses here saying we may be? might have a central midfielder who could get into double figures goals this season in yeah.
0: Bruno. Well, he does we're going to talk about him more later but um, we've got some stats for him but he does Eddie Eddie Howe after the game pointed out he does he does everything that a midfielder you know he, he does the defensive work and he does he gets into attacking positions he kind of plays more than one role because he's so good and because he's so composed. Yeah. So that's why it cost the money he did, um, and we are don't worry, we are going to talk more about him, and um, because of what happened at the end of the game, uh, and because he's he's phenomenally good, but um yeah, so it's going to be interesting how we go about that midfield rejig if there is a rejig in the summer, and I kind of agree that Joelinton is the stats back it up. He's brilliant at blocking. He's brilliant at defensive work, winning the ball back. Um, and he's good at driving forward with the ball but he's not he's not composed you know he's not composed to to keep the ball sometimes and as soon as he gets anywhere near the box obviously he's jigsaw he still just, just gets to, it yeah.
2: under his feet and
0: yeah. but um, but the second half then started and the second half started with 80-20 possession to Leicester, so they were really they were really on top, but again they weren't actually creating anything it was just like the Brighton game, you know they were playing nice football, they were, pap- they were popping it around, but then after kind of 10-15 minutes we kind of wrestled some con- control of the game back, and we'd had we were having more shots than them on the break they weren't very threatening shots, but that was what was happening, both teams made some subs quite early um, so to try and kind of I don't know if it was to try and win the game or it, it felt it felt to me like after about 65 minutes that both teams were just settling for a point, you know. Uh that was that was quite that was quite happy. That I was fine, that was fine by me, especially when, when West Ham scored against Burnley um to keep that gap. But it felt very much like this is a game that's just gonna, gonna meander out, meander along and peter out into, into a draw that everyone will be satisfied with. Um, and then and then, so we got to we got into injury time and then Leicester had that they had a kind of half little chance where Dubravka had to be quite brave and go down and get yeah. them win the ball it wasn't a shot but it was kind of a chance and then they had a corner on 92-93 minutes which uh, I think Big Dan Boone got rid of that with the minimal fuss and then it got to ninety four minutes and it again it was it, it was down our end of the pitch. And I, I need to give Matt Target some credit here because what he did was he shepherded the ball, he stopped their play from getting it, he kept it in, and he, he popped a pass down the wing for Joe Willock, who had fresh legs coming on. He he did a he did a really good first touch and then a brilliant second touch where he basically just kicked it down the wing and chased it. Yeah, I think it yes. was whoever it was was trying to chase him, you know, they the midfielder stepped in too much and he just got beaten and Willock was absolutely away and then he, he managed to get the ball across deflection and I, do you remember do you remember Yedlin's dive and header he scored against Bournemouth a few years ago it was yeah, one of those yeah. ones where the defenders were scoring for us it was a little bit like that but there was a there was a, a, a still of this goal where Willock was like in the box or he was like getting towards the box and Bruno wasn't even in the picture yet he yeah, still an hour half, and he just he sprinted. He's absolutely. I, I saw some headed today. it into the top corner. What a goal!
2: I saw something today that when after Willock, I can't remember which player it was. After Willock burst past the Brighton player,
0: mm.
2: his next touch, Bruno was twenty yards behind him. Yeah, um, it was I saw it, some of that on Twitter today.
0: Uh, it was, and. It, Agent Agent Jared Gillard, I think he watches the Tune under podcast because he's a he must be a New, Newcastle fan because he was he was giving us that little bit of extra time. It wasn't really extra time, but we were we were you were pleased about that one, weren't you, Dimmy? We were past ninety four minutes.
1: Yeah, so because there's plenty of refs out there locally in in UK who, as soon as that fourth minute or whatever it is, they call it four minutes. If it's four minutes and zero seconds, ref points to his watch and says, "That's it, game over, finish." But yeah, fair yeah. play. He saw a counter-attack going. He goes, all right, one more attack. See what happens. And and fair play to him as well. Joe Linton was rugby-tackled off the ball yeah. by, I think it was Mendy, to try and stop Joe Linton yeah. getting in the box. I don't know why tackling Joe Linton. He won't score in the box, but that's okay. <laughs> he yeah. turns Joe Linton down and um, called called the advantage, which, which was great. And then, obviously, Bruno with a sensational diving header.
0: Yeah, it was just – I remember we, we conceded – Late against Watford, against Southampton earlier in the season, and it's against Everton in the ninety seventh minute, and it's that that feeling in reverse. Chelsea, what? It's just yeah, against Chelsea, heartbreaking there. That feeling in reverse is like, it's you know, it's one it's 1 30 in the morning, and you're like, you just know. I was all ready to go to sleep. I was like, all right, that's all right. That's a nice result, nice draw. I'm gonna to go to bed. That then that happened, and it was like, all right, I won't be getting sleep for three hours. <laughs> Absolutely
2: yeah, amazing. sometimes with the time difference, we have to watch the games. With sometimes a draw can be the best result because if you win, you're too high. If you lose, you're too angry. And a draw, yeah. you're just like, I, was, <laughs> I was, I would have, been, I would have been asleep ten minutes after the game finished if it had finished one one. Oh. But instead, I was up for another hour and a half watching it on repeat.
0: So Bruno, Bruno um, is. He's equaled his tally that he scored for Lyon already with three goals. He said himself, that's the first header he's ever scored. We're, we've already talked a little bit about him, of course. But let's just give him some love. Look at these stats here. So I, I don't know if you've seen his heat map, but it's, it's quite ridiculous. It's just like he was absolutely everywhere. He had 45 touches. He won eight duels. He created one chance, eight dribbles. He had four shots, all of which were on target. He obviously scored his two goals. He covered 11.6 kilometres, which on average footballers tend to run about 10 kilometres. I think that extra kilometre he made it was probably in the, when he went and scored his goal. He ran all the way up the pitch in there, put his header into in the top corner. But, Jamie, you've already kind of talked about Bruno a little bit. Dimmy, just talk to me about Bruno Gimareish and how, how has this guy ended up playing for Newcastle?
1: It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, the the quality and the just the absolute brilliance that he shows on the ball it's just night and day to what we've been used to probably in a very long time my, most of my lifetime I haven't been used to a midfielder like this i mean he's been he's been absolutely sensational and the fact that we've we've got him now at the start of our project at the start of our sort of when we're going up and the just the sheer quality on the ball. I mean, the, the guy is just brilliant. I mean, he's a Brazilian national team player. Who when whenever we had a Brazilian national team starter, sometimes starters, bench player playing for us in the Premier League. I mean, it's it's amazing. And the fact, like he said, he covers every blade of grass. He he defends. He keeps the ball. He's shown he can score goals. He does it. He does it all. He's the absolutely complete midfielder. Like, like Eddie Howe said, he's the complete midfielder.
0: Mm. He's he's, he's twenty four years old, you know. Um he's not even really at his prime yet. And like like you, Jamie, I didn't really I don't watch much of Leon. I've got a you know, a young yeah. kid and I don't have time to be watching French football, I've barely got time to be watching Newcastle games, but um so I don't know that much about him, but y- you can just tell you know, the moment he stepped on the pitch for Newcastle, he came on and he did that little bit of skill in his own box against Everton. Yeah. <laughs> it was like what you do. But there was there was another moment yesterday where he, was, he had it on the wing and he just he just flicked it over someone and ran ran onto it you know and he's just got he, he wants the ball he's got so much composure and so much quality the the nearest comparison that I can think of in my kind of thirty years following Newcastle is probably Johan Kabay. um but I think Bruno is a little bit he's a bit taller he's he's got a little bit more stature wow. um, and he just seems a little bit more of an all round midfielder um. Kabaya was, you know, phenomenal for Newcastle. But, um, Jamie, yeah, what do you, you know, you've talked talked about Bruno already, but, you know, what, what do you make of, of him in
2: that
0: the I, game yesterday? The, the rea- like I said, I hadn't, I, I'd heard of him,
2: but I hadn't seen him much in play. The reaction from other fans and, and other journalists when we signed him was just, was, was insane. People, you know, French journalists saying we'd signed the best midfielder in the world. Um. <laughs> I've got a mate who is a Liverpool fan who I don't know if he actually knows what he's talking about or if he just says it, but he said to me, oh, he would get in our team. And I was like, really? Um, so in my lifetime, I, I said this to my dad yesterday, he is already up. The, the best central midfielders I've seen in my life as Newcastle fans have been Rob Lee, Gary Speed and Johan mm can't really put Genie in that Genie Vine Aldem in that category because he didn't really play that role for us. Yeah, and obviously he went on to Liverpool and was amazing. But I think he'll surpass them. Um, it, it, it's insane that we got a player like him. And it, when people call us deluded as fans, if we can sign players of the quality of him and Trippier when we're bottom of the league in January mm. with a very, very they took with a very 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 high chance of getting relegated. It's just it's it's hard to keep your it's hard to keep your expectations low. I think Eddie Howe tried to do that, didn't he, in the press conference? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he's ju- he's just incredible. He just doesn't seem to have a weakness.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: not just his technical ability, but it's the fact that he's an athlete and he's quick. Uh, yeah, you yeah.
0: you you usually when when players like that come to clubs like Newcastle, there's usually some kind of red flag or some reason why bigger clubs yeah. or more successful and more established clubs haven't signed them. Um, but with Bruno, it seems difficult to find find that. Maybe people just didn't want to pay the price or they were waiting until the summer and we've just stepped in. I think um, we but- have I think
2: we've stepped in. And the best thing about it is we're not like thinking, oh, he's, he's so good. There's no way he's going to stay with us. Man United or City mm. or Liverpool are going to buy him. It's not going to happen. <laughs> he's, he's, he's ours.
0: I'm, get- I'm getting so overexcited here, but I'm thinking of like David Silver at Man City, you know, that, that comparison of somebody who can come in and who can not not for it the, because of a similar type of player, but someone who can come in and grow with the club and have yeah, that, have that success with the club.
2: Um, they, I think, it's really underrated. I know City spent a lot of money on some rubbish, but the fact they got company, Silva, and Aguero mm-hmm. so quickly, yeah. and that was like the spine of their team for for such a long time. Um if we can do something like that, that would be brilliant. But certainly, I think Bruno's build the team around him.
0: Yeah, I think it's safe to say that will definitely be happening. And I think the, the the management by Eddie as well to bring him in gradually, even when the, there was a lot of clamour um, to bring him in. Um, I think he was quite fortunate, well, not fortunate because he'd coached the players, but the three midfielders that were in there were doing well and we were, we were picking points up. But I think that, that enabled him to bring him in and ease him in slowly. And I think he got to have a look at what the league's about. And I think he's he's ready to go now. And I don't think he'll be um on the bench for any more games from now on. Yeah, absolutely not. So that was the game. So we've we've won two one. Thirty seven points now. What about a man of the match? Um I wanna there's someone else I do want to mention as well as Bruno. I'm gonna give it to Bruno because he scored two goals and He scored a diving header in the 95th minute. Mm-hmm. But I wanna I wanna have a word for Emil Kraft as well. Um, not just because I've been defending him for weeks now, but the last two games he's actually been good, he's been better than I thought he yeah, could he be. He's, and that, and that's good. what I thought he actually had in him. He had seven seven tackles in this game, three interceptions, and he, he won eight of his ten ground duels. Um he has he's a player who I don't fit, didn't think was Premier League quality, but now all of a sudden I'd be happy to have him as backup for um Trippier for next season. He's would you still, keep him good. ahead of Manquio? I would at the moment, yeah. I think, um, I think he, he has shown that he's been coached well and he's got a good manager. And he'd be, I'd be more than happy to have him in as backup for Kieran Trippier for next season. So, yeah, I'll go with Bruno for man of the match um, and craft a close second, Dimi.
1: Yeah, Bruno has the obviously because the 95th minute winner, but but yeah, Kraft's been amazing the last two games. He's made two, I'd say, goal saving blocks. Um, in two games, it was twice he got beaten but didn't give it up and and made a crucial block, I think, against Fabio Silva for, for Wolves and and yesterday, I think, against Lookman. So, no, nah, fair, fair play to Kraft. He's he's been sensational. Yeah, he did, he did that. The,
2: there was a double block, and then there was also. He did a brilliant piece of skill. I think it was Cher who got caught dawdling on the ball when Leicester were pressing. Mm. And I had to double-check it was Kraft who got himself out of the situation. But the most, the, the most mental way you can put his turnaround is... So, I obviously, we're expecting Trippier and Wilson to come back soon. Mm. Now, I think if a player comes into the team and plays well, I think Eddie Howe keeps them in the team. I think that's how he manages. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. he he feels that the fringe players, they have to have that belief that if they are in the team and they do their job, they'll stay in the team. There's actually, like, even a chance that if... There was a talk that Trippi has got an outside chance for Norwich. Mm. There is even a possibility that when Trippi is fit again, he'll have to wait to get back into the team because of the form of Emil Kraft. That is just...
0: (laughs) You're right, Lou, you're right. That that, that thought crossed my mind that he, he likes to ease his players back in. And if we don't need to be risking trippier on games that don't mean much. And if somebody's playing well, yeah. I think I, like I, that. Think, I can I see that happening.
2: I think the same about with Wilson. I personally I wouldn't drop Chris Wood for Wilson if Wilson was fit for the next couple of games. I'd you know Wood's been Wood's done his job. But yeah, Craft Kraft has just been Like you said, he's just been well coached and the whole team is starting to get an identity now. And it's just even if there's injuries to key players, you know that whoever's going to come in, they might not have the individual quality of the player they're replacing, but they're going to be as tactically well drilled and know their jobs. And I think Kraft's mobility helps him a lot. Um, I mean, you said, Jack, you've stuck up for him. I was actually... I thought he was terrible at right back, I'll be honest, but mm. I was kind of sticking up a little bit for Graham Jones when he was playing him on the right-hand side of the back three because he's literally the only player we had at the back with any pace. Mm. So I think that helps him with the fact that he's an athlete and he gets up and down. But but yeah, it's been... Um, I said I didn't think I'd see another turnaround in a player as a Newcastle fan as we saw under... As we saw for Modi Army, mm, yeah, it basically went from a number ten into like the one of the best defensive midfielders in the league.
0: Yeah, for six months. But, yeah,
2: yeah, for six months. And then with Joe Linton and now Kraft, it's yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But long may it continue.
0: Yeah, long may it continue. We are rising up the league table. We are going to have another little quick break, and we'll be back to talk about the Crystal Palace game, which is coming up on later this week. All right, so we are playing Crystal Palace, which is 445 our time, Dimmy, I think. Yep. Which is yep. a 345 for you, Jamie. All I can say is good luck with that one. That's yeah. on Thursday morning. Um <sighs> that'll be that that'll be fun, a fun time to get up. Um we'll have a little look just have a little look at the league table with Palace. So we're we're on the same point as them now. They've played a game less. They had their they had their cup game against Chelsea mm. uh overnight, which they lost 2-0. But if you look at the form, they're actually not doing too badly. They've only lost one of the last four games there, and they were draw, had a couple of draws and a couple of wins. I think it's probably safe to say they've had a reasonably good season. Have either of you watched that much of them or seen much of them?
2: Yeah, I, I I've when I have watched them, um, not the last few weeks because I've got a new baby, but the last few when I have watched them, I've been really impressed with um, how this has been said. You know, this isn't exactly reinventing the wheel, but how quickly Vieira's changed the style. Um, I think they're an exciting team to watch. I think Olise is a hell of a player. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they. I think it'll be a very open attacking game. I
0: think. Um, yeah, Palace have gone from having Roy Hodgson, who's in, <laughs> wound up at Watford this season, but they and they they lost him and they lost they lost a heap of players as well, and they had to they spent a bit of money, but they had to integrate a lot of players and um, quite quickly and. This is uh, this is their team that they played against Chelsea. So we don't actually know how many of you like what their team is going to look like uh, when they play us. But yeah, they've got some good players there. Eze has obviously been injured, um, but Conor Gallagher has had a fantastic season. He's somebody that he's somebody that our Craig from the tune under pod has been. He's kind of raving about, and he hopes that Newcastle can sign him. So it depends on what happens with Chelsea's situation. That could be a possibility. Yeah, he'll be um, chomping
2: in a bit as well, won't he? Because he couldn't play yesterday. So,
0: yeah, and we've they've also got Zahar up front who um, scored you know, scored a few goals against us in his time. Um, I don't know about the possibility of them kind of having a little bit of a hangover from this Chelsea game. Um, I hope that they do and that they've kind of put a lot of effort and energy into this cup run and that you know, they are on the beach, as they say a little bit, and that we might be able to be in a good position to to capitalise on that. Demi, I'm just going to get up the team that you think Newcastle are going to play or that, that you'd like to see them play. Do you just want to talk us through this?
1: Yeah, no changes really from from the weekend's game. I mean, Burn and Shea obviously picked themselves at this stage. Emil Craft picks himself at this stage as well. Don't I don't think Trupias will be back for... For probably another couple of games at least, and then and in the midfield. Even though Willett came off the bench and he set up that goal with a brilliant run, I think it'd be pretty hard pressed to say that any of Shelby or Joe Linton will be dropped. Obviously, Bruno's not being dropped, but it'd be hard pressed to say they'll be dropped. So even Elman Almaron on the right wing, he was I thought he was fantastic this morning. Worked really hard, won the ball back, looked, yeah, he looked was. quite dangerous. So yeah, I'd go with the same team and hopefully. Chris Wood with an extra 20 minutes rest rarely comes off for us but he came off this morning for about 20 minutes so hopefully he's uh he's rested and ready to go for Thursday.
0: I was just going to ask you about Almer on there because it's it was quite interesting Murphy was starting quite a few of games for, for Eddie Howe when when Maxi was out and he was doing quite well you know and he's, he was hitting the post every five minutes like he seems to do but he was, uh, he was actually performing a good role for the team and he was doing some good defensive work as well. So I was a little bit surprised when Almiron came in, I think it was against Everton, the first game he came in for. And he didn't have a great game. Obviously, we know he doesn't have that much end product. But when Eddie Howe came in, I always thought Almiron would be a player that he would like because he's going to run and he's going to work and he's going to do what you tell him to do. But maybe it's just his lack of end product that kind of sort of doesn't, Put him in, in line, and I think he's been widely talked about as a person who could be sold for a little bit of money to Spain this summer potentially. Mm. Jamie, what do you think about that? Um, would you would your team be any different to that, or do you think? No, I think, I think I think
2: I think it'll be I think it will be that. I think the only thing that I could maybe see how doing is Palace are very Palace are very energetic and very mobile in the middle of the pitch and I wonder if Willock might be suited to this game. Um but yeah but one thing I noticed about Almiron particularly in the first half yesterday not so much in the second half I think he out of the four players that would play the two wide positions so Maximum Fraser and Murphy I do think Almiron has more of a natural knack to try and get closer to Chris Wood than the other three. The other three are naturally wingers. And I think Almiron tends to sort of gravitate in the field and bless him, he, I just sometimes don't think he has the the quality on, on the ball. But I mean, that except that flick against Wolves to mm. put Bruno in for Wood's disallowed goal was was insane. But no, I'd I'd start with that. But yeah, um, I think we might see a surprise, maybe Wilson on the bench or something. Or
1: yeah.
2: maybe I'm maybe I'm still too hungover and tired from last night.
0: <laughs> Almeron, Almiron's actually played his best football for us through the middle, didn't he? When when Rafa signed him and he had yeah. Perez and Rondon there, so yeah, he's more of a kind of central player. Yeah. But that that South American connection with Bruno might be what's kind of brought him into the team a little bit. And made how think that there's something there to work with. Um, what about I mean, what about predictions for the game? Then it's hard. Like games are just happening thick and fast, aren't they? At the moment, um, it's kind of that part of the season where people are catching up on games a little bit. This this one should have been played about a few weeks ago, which would have broken up that run of away games we had. Um, so. I don't know, you just play the games. Unless you're Jürgen Klopp, you just play the games when you get asked to play them, don't you? And you just get on with it. Um, what about a prediction for this game then, Dimmy?
1: 1-0 win with, i will probably predict him to score every week, but more, law of averages says he's eventually going to score a couple of goals. Chris Wood to score. I'll take
2: and that. I going to go 3-1. Three one to us, and I think Chris Wood will score, um, and I think Willock and Saint Maximum will score.
0: I am um, i notoriously don't like predicting wins, but I got the Leicester game spot on. <laughs> it was close, but I got it. So I think I just think we might see a little bit of a hangover for Palace. I think that mm-hmm. we're going to have another another night game under the lights. Um, I think that we might keep them keep them out and score a couple of goals and i think it might be quite a comfortable quite a comfortable one which would be very very nice um it doesn't happen often where we kind of get comfortable in games i think brentford away is the only time i can really remember that happening this season as well as everton when we went 3-1 up but that would be nice wouldn't it just a nice comfortable nice comfortable win take us to 40 points let us all just calm down and then look forward to norwich at the weekend yeah. So yeah, we will all be up very early for that one. Uh, on a work day, I'll yeah, actually, it'll be good when the season finishes so we can have a little bit of a break.
2: I I actually, I have I've, I've finished work at two o'clock that day so I'll, I'll, the game will finish about six. I'll try and get another hour's kick, which won't happen. Won't happen, nah. Wishful thinking. Good then, luck with that. I've only got six hours work that day so it should be okay.
0: Haven't you got a three-week-old baby as well? Uh yeah so three and a half weeks yeah. <laughs> you will not be going back to sleep at 6 a.m. Yeah, it's um it's <laughs> yeah, probably not. All right, yeah. that that was a bit of a quick palace preview but we spent, you know, we spent more than enough time talking about the main man um, and talking about that win against Leicester. So thanks very much for joining us Jamie in Japan. No,
2: thanks a lot. I've uh... Yeah, thanks a lot. Really enjoyed it. No Thank worries. You very much.
0: And thank you, Dimmy. Cheers, mate. Another good week for your, uh, another good weekend for your teams. You're a lucky charm at the moment, apart from, yeah, apart from Essendon.
1: Forget about them. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tune Under Pod. We're on Facebook, Tune Under Podcast. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. And the website is www.tuneunder.com. And we will be back for a review of the Palace game. Uh, it would probably be yeah, later that day or next day for UK viewers and a little preview of the Norwich game as well. Cheers, guys, and we will see you soon. Tap.